I want to bring guests in, the lads disappear. Uh, I'm joined by Jeff Seaman, who is the director of a new film called Terror Trips and an executive producer on The Mutilator 2, which I am jonesing for. How are you, Jeff? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Thank you for having me. Thanks for taking the time out, too. Come on. Uh, you know, I, I do want to correct you with one thing. I'm I'm just a producer. There was only one executive producer on Mutilator Two, and that was the director and the man who put up all the money, Bud Cooper. I, sorry, I that's that's my mistake. <laughs> that's my mistake. That's false uh, false information from the interweb. <laughs> I don't want to take credit away from Buddy, man. The guy, the guy, uh, he, he worked, put his heart and soul in for 30 years to make this sequel. So. Yeah, absolutely, and he he done a hell of a job with the first one. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I retract that producer of the mutilator too. Yes, I did. I produced that one alongside <laughs> my uh, my dear friend Ann Hale. Uh, Ann and I produced that one together, and Buddy directed it, and it was just. I absolutely can't wait. I was, as I was saying to you just before we came on, um, we've obviously had Anna Clarion, who was actually in the movie, and whatnot. But like this movie for me came out of the blue. Didn't know it was coming. Didn't know it was a remake. Absolutely loved the first one. Kept it uh, relatively quiet that we were filming it, and we would put it out there a little bit on social media, but nothing major. As a matter of fact, most people still don't know that we've made it. There's still a lot of surprised faces when we post, post something on Twitter or on TikTok about Mutilator 2 coming out. But the old school fans are, are super excited. The word spreads relatively quickly once once they hear about it, and. Um, trying to not say too much about the sequel, but it is strikingly similar to the original. It's got that um, you kind of know who's doing it right from the start, and it's it's uh, got the corny dad jokes sprinkled in throughout. Uh, Bill Hitchcock plays the same type guy. Bill Hitchcock, who played Ralph in the original, the jokester, he's back for this one. Um, now, for, for the fans of the Mutilator who are wondering, how is Bill Hitchcock back? Ralph died in the original. Ralph's not back in the movie. Bill Hitchcock is. He's playing himself. Yes. So when I when I first seen this being announced on on one of the horror pages, the title of the article was "What Happened to Ralphie?" <laughs> and I was like, I was like, nah, couldn't be. Ralph died. He got the uh, flounder gaff uh, through his through his neck. He he most certainly did die. Yeah. Um. So with this one, and I can tell you this: uh, the reason that Ruth Martinez and Bill Hitchcock are back in this movie, even despite well, Ruthie survived. Uh, the character of Pam did survive the first one. Uh, Just. <laughs> and the the original uh, the the script for this sequel, I should say, it takes place. Somebody else is making Mutilator 2, and they're having a big party after the film is completed, and they brought back some of the old old actors from the original to take place in the rap party for Mutilator 2, and that's where the majority of the film takes place, at the rap party for Mutilator 2. So it's kind of, it's kind of set the same way Wes Craven done A New Nightmare. Yes, there's there's some similarities to that. It's uh, they're bringing a little bit of reality into the film world, and then the film world starts taking over their reality, and we see actual murders. And uh, and obviously, Scream does the same with Stab. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I, I love that concept in terms of films because it's not done very often. It's not only just, there you go, there's your slasher and off you go. Right. So, when you do this, there's a bit more thought into how to do it properly. And uh, it, it, when it works, it's perfect. And, and fans of the original Mutilator uh, will find little Easter eggs all throughout the film. As a matter of fact, the guy who played uh, Big Ed, the killer in the first one, is his real life name, Jack Chatham. He's in the movie. Um, we put him in the background there. Jack Chatham is in his early 90s now. And Bud Cooper, the director, is the type of guy who stays loyal to the people who have been a part of his world. And he really very badly wanted to have Jack Chatham in the movie. Um, and we found a place for it. And you'll see him, I think, in the first 10 minutes is where it is. He's in the background. Awesome. Now we got a good shot of him, too. You kind of have to know that it's Jack Chatham because, you know, it's 35 years later. There's 80. Was it eighty four? Was it the first one came out? Yeah, I think thirty eight years now. Yeah, no, it's like the, I was one of the very first horrors that I remember watching that I got in a video shop. So I've said it on the show a few times. Me and one of my mates used to go over to the video shop and we'd go in and rent out DVDs to watch, and we'd go in and try and find the worst looking cases that we could find, and try and pick up uh, a couple of gems in it. Um, now this one we rented out but he never got to see it I watched it um, but this this I fell in love with this I've seen this probably I've seen the new letter one probably probably a hundred times now the uh, the original they shot in Atlantic Beach North Carolina and so is the sequel we all stayed at uh, Bud Cooper owns a, a motel called the Oceana and we all, all the cast and crew stayed there, so we walked to work every day. But we did do a couple of scenes at the original house. Um, awesome. And the, the pool where, um, I can't remember the character's name, but the two characters died at the swimming pool. Uh, we were right there at that pool the whole time, too. Um, a couple of walks out on the pier. We were out on the beach a couple of times. Fans of the original will recognize several things from the sequel because we shot it in the same location. That's absolutely, like, when, when films do that, it's absolutely brilliant. Especially with it being so long apart. Yep. It, and it, it's, I've noticed that a couple of people online are, are concerned that it's going to be uh, stupid and, and cheesy and trying to recapture some of the slasher stuff from before. But I got I to gotta tell you, um, it's the same writer. It's the same director. There are several of the same actors. It's going to be quite similar to the original when it comes to the blood and the practical effects and the dialogue. Um, you know, Ralph's dialogue with the, the uh, store clerk wanting the 10% discount for senior citizens. He brings that back, <laughs> but in the sequel, he does it in a very cool way. He has that same sign at a bar at this rap party, and the bartender is the son of the guy who was running the convenience store, and I mean the real-life son. So, uh, you know, Bud does bring a lot of the stuff from the original back, but he does it in a very clever very unique way and you can see his loyalties to the people who gave him his first film and he's very respectful of his, his original script and he loved the people that surrounded him in that first one. 
Yeah, I know. I, I had read that it was there was a lot of family ties brought to it, yep. um, which was great to see. Both, uh, both, of, uh, both of Buddy's kids are in this movie too. Now I, I say that they're kids, but they're both in their forties. Um, <laughs> uh, his daughter Halleck is. Uh, uh, you know what? I can't really tell you what part she plays because that would be giving away one of the decks. Oh yeah, I I, I, I generally don't want. Yeah. I, I, I can't wait to just sit down and watch it. And what, I, what I'll probably do is I'll watch the first one and then put that one on straight after it. Oh, um, we are screening the original at a legendary drive-in movie theater in Pennsylvania, in eastern Pennsylvania. It's called the Mahoning Drive-In. September 1st, several of us are going to the Mahoning and they're going to be screening the original Mutilator and we'll be there to sign autographs and talk to people about the sequel. So if any of your friends or people that are watching this are on the east coast of the United States, come on out and see us on September 1st and we'll tell you all about the sequel. Rumor has it that the cast of the Mutilator are going to fly me over for that. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, come on out. I'd love to see you. i with it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I tell you what, if I was in the States, I'd absolutely make it, but I, I don't believe that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Our two lead characters have history with, uh, with horror films, too. Uh, Terry Kaiser is in the movie, and he was in Friday the 13th Part 7, but most people will know Terry Kaiser as Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's. Absolutely. <laughs> And our second lead is Damien Maffei. Uh, Damien is used to wearing a mask in his movies. He was in Wrong Turn. He was he was the man in the mask in Stranger's sequel, Stranger's Pray at Night. He was the devil in Haunt, and he was also in my that, movie. That was, that was critically underrated, Haunt was. Wonderful movie. It was yeah. great to work on, and I, I don't know why it didn't get the recognition that it deserved. Now, when you say that, obviously, I'll segue off Mutilator into Wrong Torn. You're talking about the new Wrong Torn. Yes. I the was, reboot. Uh, I worked every day on the new Wrong Turn, and there were a couple of scenes that they needed some people, and they threw me into costume and put me in the movie as well, which was quite a treat. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> for those of you who have not seen Wrong Turn, close your ears for the next 10 seconds. I got to kill a character uh, on screen uh, when Mila is laying in the pit, spikes through her body. Oh yeah, that, that's rough. Shoots an arrow through her. That was me. Oh, that's rough, that. <laughs> it was fun to shoot, though. Yeah, but like, and as people know that have watched the show, I am an avid lover of the Wrong Torn franchise. We only done we only done an episode a couple of weeks ago on me ranking the wrong torn franchise what was um, uh, what were your top three uh one obviously the one with Elijah, Elijah Dusku uh four which is bloody beginnings um no I didn't count the reboot in in uh in the rankings so I went one four and five two was fourth I a lot of people love number two. I'm one of those as well. Henry Rollins. Yeah, and Joe Lynch directed it. Joe yeah. Lynch, another underrated director. He's not only really great with horror films, but he's just one of the nicest guys you could ever come across. I love working with Joe Lynch. Yeah, no, I, I was an avid one. I don't think the, the franchise gets enough love. Yeah. Um, and obviously the first one had uh, 
Elijah Duskew and a few others in there and Emmanuel in there and uh, it had Julian Richlings that a lot of people don't realise um, but the new one I was so when I seen it coming out I was a bit hesitant I was like when I seen that it wasn't the Hilliker brothers I was like what is that and and I was I was very surprised with it, how good it was well it was the same writer as the original which helped a lot but the yeah thing- the thing that, uh, and really, they weren't going to call it long term. Uh, when we were on set, it was known as Foundation. Yeah, that's what we got. That's the, the information that I got was that's what it was going to be called. Yes. Uh, and it ended up just coming out as Wrong Torn 2021. Yeah, and it, and it was, I think it was a good decision because I think that the name Wrong Turn is going to get you more attention than just yeah. the Foundation. Uh, it didn't have anything to do with the original or any of the six wrong turns that preceded it. Um, really, the only tie into it at all was the fact that it was the Appalachian Mountains in the middle of the mountains and the yeah. same writer. Um, but it was a great horror film, and more people got to see it because it was called Wrong Turn. And I know that upsets some of the old school purists of the Wrong Turn uh, family, much probably like yourself, but. You got to witness a really good horror film as a result of it, and, and sometimes you know a movie called The Foundation might have slipped past your radar. So speaking of, I was, I've got to, I've got to agree with their decision. Oh, absolutely! I uh, like as it says, I was really against it when I first read it, and I was always going to give it a chance. Like I've given, I've given the other six a chance. I was like, I can't not. <laughs> but Once you've seen Wrong Turn Six, you've got to keep going. That one's a rough one. <laughs> Six, yeah, there was a bit too much incest in that one for my liking. Um, but then again, that's still not the worst one. Three is the worst. <laughs> yeah, I've heard uh, you're not the only one I've heard that. Yeah, but I'd say I, I probably would have put the twenty twenty one probably toward. Okay. If I was if I was making the eight, well, I'm uh, making the seven. Sorry. The director, uh, Mike Nelson, is his name. Yeah. What a great guy. Um, I heard that, yeah. I heard he was a, an absolute gent to work with. He was. And, and the thing about him was a lot of directors will put their nose down and they'll concentrate on the product that they're trying to deliver and they'll be an actor's director and <laughs> stay focused on that. This guy was everywhere. He was friendly with every single person that came to set. He took suggestions from his department heads really well. Um, I would love to work with Mike Nelson again because he was just open to any conversation, any suggestion, and if, if it was good, he would incorporate it. And if it was bad, he wouldn't. Which is what you know, which, what a good director should be. Absolutely, but like then again, you take it the likes of Spielberg have all done that. When things haven't worked, they've taken it. You have to be able to take help from people around you. Exactly, yeah. and. Uh, thing about about Mike was the day before I started shooting my director debut, Terror Trips, he texted me and is like, hey, if you need anything, you just call. If it's a, a kind word, if you need my help down on set, just let me know. And to know that there was a guy who had made a couple of successful horror films and was willing to offer a first timer some help like that, boy, that was tears to my eyes. It was wonderful to have someone like that in my corner. And I took advantage of him with that. I did. I, I texted him a few times, asked him for some advice, and he was always handy with it. Great guy. All around. Uh, absolutely. Like, um, any help that you can get, you're better off taking. Like, you, that's a guy who has vision that's made movies work. Yep. Do you know what I mean? And like, 
it's, it's very easy to make uh, a Ron Torn type movie. You just use CGI. You can do this, and we've seen how poorly that's worked out for the franchise. And that happened straight away after the first one. Uh, they started using CGI, so I was I was very glad of it the way they done it that they didn't use CGI as much. To actually, probably not to very little in that one. Most of the effects, I don't think yeah. there was anything CGI. There was like the spikes in the pit, man. They had this contraption built, and uh, <coughs> Emma Dumont had to crawl into this thing and support her body to get so that it would look like the spikes are going through her skin. Oh, it's rough, that. Really cool. How, how, and if anybody ever gets to meet Emma Dumont, just ask her what it was like to be in that thing. Man, she had to have been really uncomfortable for a couple of hours, but she's a trooper and, and truly one of the nicest people that I've ever worked with. The one I would have been thinking there was, you know, when the fella gets smushed with the with the log. Yeah. That's the one I would have said might have been CGI, but. Nope. Got that one uh, practical. Absolutely brilliant. You can't be practical. Um, and as for yourself, obviously being a producer and whatnot, to go into directorial, we had another a guest, our first guest actually on the show, Nick Benson, who was a special effects guy, has now gone into directing as well. So it, it obviously seems to be a way that you work your way around the industry. If, if you if you want to direct a movie, the best way to go about it is to take as many jobs as you can on a set. I don't know if it's the best way, but it's the way that works the most for you. Take as many jobs as you can on different sets. Learn those jobs really well. You get a better feel for what happens in every department. Honestly, you can't just know what every department is doing just by being on a set. You've got to actually work the job. So I did... Excuse me. Okay. As a script supervisor, I worked as an assistant director. I've been a PA many times, just as many departments as I possibly could, just to learn every possible avenue. And when I was ready, I I went for it and directed my own. Yeah, which we which we move on to now. Um, so this is your directorial debut. His terror trips. Terror trips. Yeah. Well, as I said to you before, coming on. Uh, I still haven't got it because there's no European release to it. There will be soon. Um, we don't have a date for that, but we're working on foreign distribution right now. Um, so awesome. If you don't know what goes on in Terror Trips, let me introduce it to your fans if they haven't seen it. Um, so obviously horror is the thing we're talking about. Friends in my film, they're all big horror fans and they decide to start a business giving guided tours of the shooting locations where some of the most famous horror films were made. You see in the beginning of the movie that they visit Friday the 13th's original location, uh, the Blair Witch Project, Dawn of the Dead, and one of my favorite indie films, Hell House LLC. And they visit all of these places, and you see them on little scouting trips for each location. And eventually, business is so good, they decide to expand to Europe, and they go to Poland to do this small indie film as part of a tour. And when they get there, they find out that this is not just a film, that this thing actually happened. And uh, the movie's called Black Volga. It was this tiny little 1973 indie film shot in Poland, never got a release, uh, barely got any uh, attention whatsoever, but they show up. And the story of Black Volga, real briefly, is the Soviets, 
And this is an actual urban legend. Uh, the Soviets would send in agents into small countries, small towns throughout the Eastern Bloc, and they would kidnap kids for a variety of messed up reasons. And so if you saw a black Volga coming down the street, well, it was being driven by a KGB agent, so the, the legend played into that as, as well, and it messed with people's heads. Uh, much like any urban legend, there was some truth to it, some false to it, but we ran with it because of what Black, the movie Black Volga did. And, well, you can figure out what happened to the characters in my Things don't go very well. It is a horror film, so you know people are going to die, but the way that we went about this film and tying in an actual urban legend with a movie from the 70s, it was a lot of fun. And um, it's just now starting to get some attention. Hopefully we can get it seen over there in, in uh, Europe so that you can, you can watch it and a lot of your fans can watch it as well. Yeah, Terror Trips, be on the lookout for it soon over there. I mean, like, there are ways to do it, but I don't, I don't like doing it, uh, especially when they're, they're kind of, uh, what would you say, newer movies where it's taken away from me, me paying a tenner to watch it fine. Do you know I mean yeah. you get kickback from that? Where if I stream yeah. it, yes, you get you get fuck off. Right. Yeah. Do you know I mean if you find an illegal copy of it, fans, please don't watch it. Text me or email me, and I will send you a legal link to it, and you can give me money, and then you can watch it yourself over there. <laughs> Happy to do that. Yeah. Um, now, what I will say is for the American fans, it is on Amazon Prime over there, um, which is which is a massive. Thing we were saying before coming on, I'm surprised because it's it, over in, in Europe. Obviously, you don't have a right yet, but Amazon over here has a lot of really good small indie movies that are made, which is great because you're just flicking through. Like, yeah, I'll watch this one. Yeah, and off you go. Do you know what I mean? Um, but then you're you choosing a lot of those movies based on the cover art, by the way. Uh, no, not not on Amazon Prime. I usually get a description off that. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I just hit. Sometimes I just hit random and hope for the best. And and for the the hardcore horror fans in your audience, let me let me tell you a little bit. Uh, it was produced by Felissa Rose, and Felissa Rose is Angela from Sleepaway Camp. Sleepaway Camp, yeah. And Felissa's a doll. Uh, loved working with her. Lead yeah. characters are Hannah Fearman, who was in VHS. She played the succubus, the the, the naked the woman found in the original. Yes, with face. Uh, Chaney Morrow is in it. Chaney was Ghost in Haunt. He was one of the uh, the foundation in Wrong Turn. Uh, Chaney's just a phenomenal actor. Oh, and, and Chaney's also in Mutilator too. Uh, Damien. I'll I'll link him in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Damien Maffei was in it. We talked about him being in Haunt and Strangers. Yeah, he was the devil. And Elsie Holt also played one of our good guys and Elsie was uh, Lamb Mask from your, from your Next one of my favorite underrated horror films if you haven't seen Your Next yeah it's oh. it's brilliant that is uh, I've seen quite a few things that Elsie's in um, he, he's he's quality in there as well Elsie is not only I mean he's a, he's a world class actor he knows what he wants and he gives it to you on the screen but it's right. <clears throat> he has a film coming out called uh, Time's Up. And then he's also involved in several other films. But his writing, 
Uh, I read his book, LLC, in the, in the kindest possible way. He is messed up in the head in a beautiful, horror-driven way. And I really loved working with him, and, and I, I haven't seen him since we did Terror Trips, but such a great guy, and I loved being around him. He gave me so many great suggestions for my film, and, and we ran with it, and, and he made my film better. You'll see it. You'll see what I mean when you see uh, Again, like there, you're taking someone from someone that's been in countless films and worked with countless directors that have seen things work and not work. Yeah. So I, I know you have your way of wanting the movie to look, but sometimes you have to take advice in. You saying this person's gonna die that way, and he going, no, it's not gonna work. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Something like that. Like you have to be willing to give and take, or you end up with. Well, it could be a terrible movie. I'm not saying no. yours is terrible because I haven't seen it. But no, no, no. I understand. I understand what you mean. Uh, yeah. Hannah and Hannah and Cheney, they play boyfriend and girlfriend in the movie, and I didn't put much thought into their backstory. <laughs> but these two got together before we shot the film, and then we imported everybody. Now we shot in the middle of COVID. So we tested everybody coming into town and then put them all in the same house, kind of like put them in a bubble. And hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we had to. We didn't. There was no vaccine when we shot this film. There was only testing, social distancing, and masks, man. There was not much in the way to protect each other. But once we all knew everybody was negative, we felt comfortable around each other. So the cast and crew would come to set and go home. There was no going out to bars. There was no going out to restaurants. They all probably, they probably weren't even open. Well, there, were, there were some, unfortunately. There were, there were some places open, but we avoided it. But during the time where they were housed together, Chaney and, and Hannah would talk about their characters. And they came up with a backstory for the two of them. They wrote into the script that, because my, my story takes place over the course of four years. They wrote into the story that they were boyfriend, girlfriend at the beginning and they were married by the end. So they oh. didn't wear wedding rings when we shot the opening scenes, but those wedding rings were on throughout the rest of the film. And it's those little nuances that played into it really well. They even, they even learned how to argue with each other like a married couple would, and they played it so well. Yeah, like, like veteran actors made my movie better. To, to be honest, when you see people that are that committed to the movie, like you could come in, phone in your job, and get paid and go home. And then you have people doing that, writing things in, making things better. Because it, it not only gives the movie a better presence, it gives you a better name, it gives them a better name. So I've, worked, I've worked both types of movies. I've seen the actors that phoned it in, and I've seen the ones that, that put their heart and soul into it, and it shows on the screen. Unfortunately, there's a lot of, well, not a lot of big actors, but there's a lot of high-ranking actors that are doing it now. They're just phoning in the job, and you're like... Why bother? Like, you can tell. You can yeah. tell that way. Unfortunately, I, I, like I found, obviously, I said I, I rented a lot of low-ranking horrors or, or strange-looking cases. You do find some of the smaller actors really try harder. Yeah, they do. And, but the, one of the things that that you really want to hope for is when you've got the smaller or the up-and-coming actors, putting them with a veteran actor. <laughs> uh, will advance them and make them into better uh, performers. I'll, I'll give you an example that will run right up your alley. Anna Clary, 
of Legend. Later too. She hung out with Chaney Morrow and a wonderful actress named Eva Hamilton. Um, Eva has been in a movie that's on Shutter called Ruin Me. Um, that's her big one right now. Um, she's she's out she's out promoting the shed now at the minute. Yeah, uh, she's in that with uh, Stacey Nelkin from yeah. Halloween Three. Eva and Chaney took this girl under their wing and they they they, they befriended her, uh, hung out with her, and gave her tips on what how to be better on set. And she ran with it. And I'm confident that Anna became a better actress because of the veterans helping her out. And so. You know, you want to you bring new actors into the fold, put them with veterans, and they'll get better as the film goes on. I've been, I've been sneakily working to try and get Eva to come on the show, but... Let, let, me, not, let me call her for you. Not, I'm not quite there. <laughs> I'll, call, I'll call Eva. Eva, yeah, I'll, I'll text her when we get off. I've got to do this guy's show. He's a lot of fun. Legend. Um... No, yeah, I've seen it, like, I see it out promoting the shed now, and I'm looking forward to the Mute Lighter along with it. Um, obviously, I'm going to check out Terror Trips when, whenever we do get a, a European release, or I can rent it somewhere. S send me a few bucks, I'll send you a link. Awesome. <laughs> don't tell my distribution company, like, they, they, you know, I don't want them to know. Okay, well, we'll, 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 we'll cut this part out. <laughs> Uh, what happens? What happens? Plead the fifth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know what you're talking about. I never said that. that's a deep fake. Yeah. Um, no, the, the likes of bringing those back to the fans, the mute letter, and and then obviously Terror Trips now. I, I, it's great to see horror coming back in a strong way. And obviously this year there was quite a quite a strong view, and obviously we had Scream early on in the year. Um, the latest one I watched was Black Phone. Love that movie. Such how movie. how good that became. And then have you have you got to see Nope yet? Uh, Jordan Peele's new movie. So see, this is a contentious one for me because I really don't like Jordan Peele. Well, I don't know who you're talking about. Let's talk about somebody else. <laughs> no, but I've heard I've heard uh, Nope is very very good. Apparently, it's nothing. Yeah. Apparently, it's nothing like his other ones. Um, I mean. Uh, uh, us was nothing like Get Out, so I don't know what to expect from this one either. I, I haven't seen it, and I've avoided spoilers. I'm going to try and go see it tomorrow afternoon. You see, you have it over there, but it isn't out over here yet. It's not okay. I, that that was my next question: is how, does it have European distribution yet? Uh, well, like it, it's been advertised in the cinemas. Like I was in the cinema a couple of weeks ago with the kids, and there was posters and all for it. Um, but it hasn't seemed to come out. And normally, when it gets released. Big releases like that come out simultaneously. Worldwide, yes. But no, whether or not it's just that one cinema that where we live that doesn't have it. Um, but like I, I, as much as I don't like Jordan Peele and the two movies that he's made, I might check this one out. And I've seen, I've seen people say that this is very, it's very similar to a uh, Jaws but with aliens. Ah, and I. So I kind of call people out on that. I was like, "There's nothing that this man should do, or any movie should be should be put in the same breath as Jaws, because that's that is a perfect movie." Yeah, it really is. It wasn't but, perfect the film, but it was perfect once it hit the screens. And you're talking about a film that's 40 years old now, and it's still better than any shark film that we've seen. Absolutely. I mean, it, it had it had some of the best people 
work. I mean, one of the greatest directors of all time, the greatest composer of all time. And then you put some amazing actors in there. Roy Scheider was at the top of his game when he filmed that movie. Richard Rob Reiner Shaw was, was at his peak as well. Oh my God, so many great people in that movie. There was no way that that film was going to do anything but 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 skyrocket because it was just you put all those amazing talented people in the same room, something magical was going to happen. That 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 scene with Rob Shaw on the boat that was just amazing. You know when he gives the USS Indianapolis speech? Yeah. That's uh, yeah, that's that's perfect tension because they're having fun, they're drinking, they're having a good time, and then it just flips because he starts telling this story, and immediately the other people on the boat knew what he was talking about. And you could just see, oh, it was great acting, yeah. great story, through and through. Amazing, but that's what I'm saying. Like people are comparing Nope to this. Like you don't compare an alien film to a, a shark film, whether or not you want to count them both as creature features or not. Yeah. it's just it's not the same like if you want to say a good alien film that you can compare it to say Signs okay yeah something like that third, uh, Close Encounters of a Third Kind yeah. so, I mean don't go touching a film that has nothing to do with it one of the top five horror movies of all time uh, I think out of the four four of us that do well the three of us and then we have another guy that comes on all the time Ted uh Jaws will be in every one of our top five. Yeah, it's definitely. it's definitely a Ted's number one. It'll probably be Nightmare on Elm Street's my favorite, but I'd say Jaws will probably be two or three. I, I think uh, I would have to spend some time thinking about it, but it's got to be top ten for me. You know? Yeah. It's really tough to top Night of the Living Dead and the Blair Witch Project for me. Um, See. That that Blair Witch project, I love the Blair Witch, but again, there's a, a lot of stigma around that one. That it's a one watch movie. I don't believe it is a one watch movie. I've seen it loads of times. Oh, me too. Uh, as a matter of fact, I wrote Terror Trips while I was on a tour of the sites of the Blair Witch Project. There's, there's a guy in New Hampshire or somewhere, is it? I'm sorry. Is it New Hampshire or somewhere? Uh, Maryland. Maryland, yeah. There's a guy who does an annual tour of all of the Blair Witch locations. He wrote a book about the making of the Blair Witch. His name's Matt Blasey. And I went on this tour, spent the night in the woods in Burkittsville, near Burkittsville. And the next morning, got up and drove home, and I was writing the script for Terror Trip while I was driving home. I was so inspired by visiting the location where Blair Witch Project took place that I wrote a script about people visiting locations where horror films were made. But see, that's, that there now is another original idea. Yeah. It's not just, uh, oh, let's just get a big guy with a slasher mask or a mask and send him on his way. Right. So, I mean, there, like, there has to be originality coming out in films now, and it seems everything just gets churned out the same. And, but when you get an original idea... People, people will either love it or they're going to hate it because it's different. And if they love it or they hate it, either way, they're talking. And, and the way the guys did the Blair Witch Project with the entire deep backstory, man, they went to some great lengths to build an entire mythology behind this Blair Witch that never existed. But they made, they did it so well that people believed that the movie was real, and it was. It was brilliant marketing through and through, and, and I just love everything about Blair Witch Project. So the, first, the very first time I got to see that, I was in third year in, in secondary school, which I think it's the equivalent to your high school, mm -hmm. uh, and we done it for one of our state exams, 
we got to watch it as the build up around media around films because obviously they brought that out pretending that it was uh, a true story yeah. And the thing that the guys that from the Blair Witch Project, the guys at Hacks and Films did was they never said whether it was true or false. They just, they always spoke in generalizations and they always were very careful. They never said, oh, it's not a true story. And they never said, oh, yes, it is a true story. It was always kept in the dark as to whether or not it was real. And then they hired a guy who ran the website like a champ. And that website was so in-depth with all these old photos. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed every single day that I think about it, about how was it? that film went with, with creating it. Was it I think it was Eduardo Sanchez or something was his name, wasn't it? He's the director, yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the two directors, Dan Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez. They're yeah. both great guys. I love those guys. Absolutely. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. I won't take too much of your afternoon off you. Um, and I, um, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to come on. And uh, the Camp Crystal Lake hat is awesome. Thank you. Love yeah. going there. Anybody anybody ever wants to see that original location, it's available for tours. You guys should check out crystallaketours.com and go see where they made the original film. That's in New York, isn't it? Uh, Jersey. Uh, oh, actually, somewhere up that way, yeah. Just near the border of uh, Pennsylvania and Jersey. It's uh, uh, Blairstown, New Jersey. Is that is that the one where they have the Jason statue in the, in the lake? Uh, no, I'm not sure where that is. I think that's in Minnesota, but there is a Friday the 13th Museum in that town, too. They, they've embraced their place in the horror industry. Yeah, see, obviously being this side, we don't have a, a whole lot of Irish horrors. Um, we have a couple of good ones, though. Um, one that came out earlier on this year, uh, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, it's called You Are Not My Mother. Uh, it's based, in a, it's based in, in a small town in Dublin. Um, it, it's very, very good. It was wrote, but it was directed by a girl called Kate Dolan. Okay. I'm always um, looking for good horror films, so yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a good psychological thriller. It's 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 very, very good. Amazon Prime, by any chance? Mm, no, Netflix. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. Shoot, I can go watch well, that. Well, actually, I, I said uh, it's on the European Netflix. I don't know whether it's on the American one, but you can find it. It's it, it got a release, so as far as I know, you can get it in the states. What's the title again? You're not my mother. Not my mother. I'm looking it up yeah. as soon as we get off this call. Right after you text Eva and tell her to jump on the show. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, well, I'll leave, I'll leave it there for you, with you today. Um, and if you ever feel the need or the want to come back on, uh, I'm sure the lads will will be able to jump on. And we can have we can have a chat more so about horror than just having to fulfill all the stuff that you've done. Yeah, I understand. I would love to. I'm always uh, talking about good horror films. And we, we wish you every success with Terror Trips whenever we do get a, a release for it. Thank um, you. Uh, I'll let you know as soon as I hear anything about your release. Awesome. Um, right, ladies and gentlemen, that's been our show for this evening. And as the usual goes, the words of the great George A. Romero, stay scared, ladies and gentlemen.